Oh shit, it's the coin toss. Two sides of a coin. One surprise topic off the rip. We got an upcoming game. We got the Bengals and the Jaguars. Are you guys excited? I know I'm excited for that game tomorrow. Amped. I'm excited to watch the Jags get destroyed, if that's what you mean. Well, we got an over-under this week, but first we got to flip a coin. John, do you have the coin? Oh, yeah. All right, Trey, you got heads or tails? Heads this week. Oh, man, that's a big old heads right there. Boom. You guys have been getting it. it. You guys have been getting it right lately. I defer. Defer. All right, give me the ball. All right, Tarek, we got Joe Mixon this week, and uh, we're looking at his uh, rushing yards. So over or under 84 and a half. And I'll give you a little context. Uh, uh, Last game, he had 90 yards. The game before against Chicago, he had 69. And the game before that against Minnesota, he had 127. Yeah, give me the over here. I think Joe Mixon is kind of a lock for 20 rushes around that neighborhood at this time. Um, Trey talked about it last week. You know, Trey's got him kind of approaching top five running back for the rest of 2021. So if you get 20 rushes uh, against the Jacksonville defense, you're you're going to get, you know, close to five yards of carry. You're going to hit that century mark. So give me the over. Cool. Trey? Why is he going under? What's my over under? 100 84 yards? and a half. 84 and a half. So he'll end up with 84 yards exactly. And here's why. Because Joe Burrow finally gets the legs going this week. Uh, kind of pulls off some of that uh, rushing that we haven't seen so far this season. He was pretty active as a runner uh, before the injury last year. And uh, maybe this is the game where they get him going and they get uh, Samash Preen going. So uh, yeah, 84 yards is uh, his ceiling this week. Ooh, Trey. Samaj Perine. Perine. Trey also put a nice little wink there at the end. I know you can't see that at home, but I, oh, I wanted I saw to share it. that. I saw it. Hey, I, you know, I think Joe Burrow last week had a couple of runs, like a couple of really athletic runs where he got outside of the pocket and he put himself in danger. So I think he is over the uh, reconstruction, the, the knee reconstruction, like mentally. So you know, Trey, I know that in your heart of hearts, you really want to take the over here. No, but I did. I don't, I don't mind the reasoning. <laughs> no, I did. I really wanted the over. <laughs> well, you shouldn't have deferred. You wanted the yeah, over. Yeah, I, I really screwed up deferring there. Uh, lesson learned, guys. <laughs> Always take know. the ball. Always take the ball and score. Yeah, what does Bill Belichick know? Yeah. <laughs> What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I am your host, Tarek Angry T. Benchwia. With me, as always, John Alexander, Trey Cryan, and Mitch Yates. Mitch Yates, what's going on with you, man? What's up, guys? What's going on? Uh... Give you the weekly SMU update. Jordan Curley with one catch, but the one catch that mattered. Uh, amazing touchdown. He mossed the guy. So sick. And it ended up being the game-winning icing touchdown. So congrats, bro, again, two weeks in a row. Love it. I don't know if there's a slugging percentage equivalent for football, but if there was, he would be batting a 1,000 in that slugging percentage. One, one catch, one touchdown. Gotta love it. Yeah, at least for that SMU 
versus TCU game. You got to love it. Yeah, that's a big win for SMU. And that'll, that'll be their new uh, conference rival, right? Since they're joining the uh, Big 12 or are they staying put in their current conference? I, I think Houston's, co- Houston's coming. I think SMU is like, oh, that's right. they that's don't right. care about the Big but 12. SMU did plant their actual flag on the uh, on the logo in the center of the field there. Yeah. So there's definitely going to be some uh, rivalry stuff going on for a bit. Beautiful. Loved it. Beautiful. Love it. John, speaking of college, why don't you throw us your weekly college player highlight? I'm going to give a big shout out to Trey here because he he identified this guy early. Traylon Burks yes. really opened my yes. eyes this weekend. They were playing against number seven, Texas A&M. And like a few weeks ago when Arkansas beat UT, we were like, okay, UT, they suck. But it might actually be that Arkansas is a top 10 team right now because they went and they beat the hell out of Texas A&M. They didn't beat the hell out of them. In the first half, they did. It was 20-10. to 10. It was in Arlington. Uh, Traylon Burks played a big part of that. Six reception, 167 yards, one touchdown. The one that really made me go, wow, was the 85-yard reception. Uh, this guy looks like legit, and he's on the verge of being my 2022 wide receiver one right now. So it's he's he's really opened my eyes this season. Good call on that one, Trey. This weekend, he gets to play against the stellar defense in Georgia. So keep your eye on that. Let's see how Traylon Brooks does against Georgia. This might be the determining factor if he's my wide receiver one this year. Great matchup. Baby A.J. Brown out there. Love to see it. Traylon crying. How's it going with you, man? I'm Traylon, and I'm doing good. And uh, yeah, don't really have much else to uh, to say. So let's jump into the uh, to the talk. Let's jump into recapping week three like we did last week. We're going to go game by game and highlight the most important insight from each game to our minds uh, when it comes to your dynasty league and trying to gain an edge on your league mates. So let's kick off this first half and we're going to start with the Thursday night football game. It was the Panthers at the Texans, and the Panthers won 24-9, to and honestly, it wasn't that close. John, uh, let's kick it to you for this game. All right, my, my, big, my big insight here is about uh, Chuba Hubbard. And Chuba, who's a player you likely drafted in the mid to late second round of your 2021 rookie draft in one QB leagues and later in two QB leagues, presents you with a real opportunity to move into the first round of your 2022 or 2023 rookie draft. So here's the deal. CMC, he's out, but he's not on IR. So we can presume that he's going to be out for maybe a week or two. If it was longer than that, they probably would have put him on IR, right? So this is a guy who's got starting potential. Uh, this is like your prototypical case of uh, a player plus draft capital to get better draft capital. So what I'm thinking here is Chuba plus a third, Chuba plus a second to get a first. Uh, I think that he's got a window here that's not very big because CMC's going to come back and he's under contract until looks like he's got an out in his uh, contract in 2023, but he's under contract till 2025. So even if Hubbard is a starting NFL running back, a take that I don't recall any of us sharing, uh, he won't be a regular starter till 2023 at the earliest. So uh, you all know me. I hate running backs. So take advantage of this situation. Move him now while you can. He's a replacement level guy. And try to move into the first round of your rookie drafts. What do you all think? I like it, John. Yeah, I like it uh, as a general strategy. I think um, there's going to be guys in your league, whether that is the reeling Christian McCaffrey owner who himself or herself is probably a contender Um, they're going to be looking to patch things up for the next couple of weeks so that they can continue to stack wins. Uh, Or there's often just in every league really running back production hungry people. 
Um, so I think it presents an opportunity, like John said, to, you know, cash in, move up in your rookie draft, uh, get an asset of, like a first that can be really movable and liquid and get you the pieces that you really want on your roster, not Chuba Hubbard, who from a talent perspective, I don't think any of us were very high on. Um, you know, he's got the long speed, but in, in terms of wiggle and those kinds of things, I, I just I don't think he's going to do much more than Mike Davis did and maybe even less. I think Mike Davis is actually overall a better running back than him. But Mitch, what you got? Oh, I was just going to throw in at the end here that like I, I threw in a bunch of offers after I saw John type this in on the league notes. I was like, oh, move into the first round. I was like, that's a smart idea. So I definitely sent a bunch of those trades out there. Yeah, I know, John, uh, you were mentioning kind of before we started the show that uh, you had kind of gotten this idea by looking at DLF. Uh, trade finder and on the dynasty nerds GM tool, right? Yeah. You've kind of seen a lot of these go, go down. Yeah. So uh, both of those tools, the trade finder and DLF uh, dynasty GM for dynasty nerds, they both have recent trades. And I saw a whole lot of uh, Chuba for a first straight up, like a 23 first. I saw Chuba and a third for a 22 first. Love it. Chuba and, a, Chuba and a second for a 22 first. So yeah, put the offer out, see if you can get it done. Cause a second for a first for a replacement level running back, that's that's free money as far as I'm concerned. Oh, my goodness. Last thing with Chuba. So I have him in a couple leagues. And when McCaffrey went down, I did the did the smart thing, right? I threw him on the trade block and that really didn't do anything. So I love that John's bringing up these uh, they just trade offers because I think that right. we're going to have to go a little further than just trying to dangle them out there and see what you're going to get, because I don't think you're going to get much if you don't actually offer a real trade offer. Right. Right. You got to do the legwork. Yeah, be active. Yeah, for sure. Because it's a small, small window. Let's move on to this next game. The Bengals at Pittsburgh. The Bengals won 24 to 10. Pittsburgh looks horrible. Mitch, what do you got from this game? Man, you know who else looked really good? That would be Jamar Chase. And I did want to say congrats, guys. I think we should all take a little lap around the victory track here on this one. We were way ahead of market back in April. Like, Tarek, you had him at 10. John and Trey, you had him at 12. I had him at 9. That's basically where he is for us now as well, either 8 or 9 for all of us. And he's been climbing up other people's boards, but he stayed put in ours. So, yeah, I think that uh, I feel pretty good about that as a show. So, congrats, guys. Hey, pat ourselves on the back. You know, a little pat. A little, yeah. little pat. <laughs> a little, little, little pity pat. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, but uh, this is more about uh, my concerns for Roethlisberger here. Uh, with the lack of touchdowns and uh, poor quarterback play, I'm also starting to fade on the Pittsburgh wide receivers for 2021, and I'm starting to rise on Najee, who had 19, count them, 19 fucking targets last game. Absurd. But it's crazy. this ain't about Najee. This is about Big Ben, who's no longer a man. He's a machine, a check down machine. I mean, 19 passing targets to you, 232-pound running back. Yeah, that... That uh really gave it away for me on that one. So he's had three touchdowns, three picks last game. Oh, wait, no, that was all season. So, yeah, this is not going well. Uh, he's dealing out one touchdown, one pick a game. Dude has put up 15.22 or less his first three games. And most importantly, like Tarek said, look like shit doing it. So I've been saying it all offseason, but I want to repeat it one more time. He retired last season. He just didn't know it yet. Stick a fork at him, man, <laughs> and in that Roethlisberger, he's he's done, well done. But and my my point is that I don't think he can support three wide receivers anymore. So I I don't know what to do with these guys because they all look pretty good. 
but it looks like that wide receiver two or three is their ceilings at best at this point. So I don't know. What do you guys mm, think? Okay. Yeah. I mean, for the receivers right now, they're dealing with a lot of injuries too. So, you know, Deontay Johnson's at risk for missing another week. And now it's looking like Juju might be out for next week too. So uh, James Washington, who uh, Tarek uh, called out as a sleeper in the offseason, might actually get a little bit of playing time this uh, this Sunday. So yeah, go by James Washington. Yeah. <laughs> get yeah, him on your no, team I'm now, not- guys. I mean, not maybe a DFS option, but yeah, I'm not I'm not feeling great about my James Washington take (laughs) just because I agree with Mitch here. Like Big Ben looks completely washed. Um, You know, the 19 targets for Najee Harris. I mean, obviously, that's incredible. We don't want to super overreact to it and expect that he's going to get double digit targets every week because when Deontay Johnson is there, he also gets peppered. So you got to expect that if Deontay Johnson were playing, a lot of those targets would have been siphoned toward him. Um I mean, yeah, it's a volume offense like they throw a lot um, and, you know, you can get some PPR value there. Uh, I think Chase Claypool is just a guy that's he he's he's more of a stash and weight because of his overall wide receiver kind of alpha wide receiver upside. But I think the guys that you want if you're trying to win right now are Deontay Johnson and to a lesser extent Juju, who, like Trey said, are both kind of hurt right now. So it's just it's not a great situation. Yeah. Yeah. And just going back to uh, what Mitch was saying about uh, Jamar Chase. I mean, there was a, a big dip in the market during training camp in the preseason uh, worries about his ability to you know bounce back from his year off and his uh, his hands. And I mean, that was just such a joke. Uh, now. Obviously, the four touchdowns on 11 catches over the first three games is not sustainable, but he's proving already that he's going to be a a really effective downfield weapon, which we all knew that he would be. And uh, what's kind of interesting to me with this Bengals offense is their pace is actually a lot slower this year than it was last year for whatever reason. So it's so, so much slower that I really don't think this is the three receiver offense that we thought it potentially could be, or at least I thought it right. potentially could be. So I see Boyd as the odd man out here. And I think uh, T Hig and Chase are going to be the only options that are going to be usable in this offense. Oh yeah. But you can see that burrow chase connection is as real as the narrative wants it to be. I mean, those two, yeah. like he throws it up and chase knows exactly where to go get it. It's freaking nasty, dude. Jamar chase. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. And you see like when Jamar Chase gets a touchdown, Joe Burrow is like so excited. He you can tell he like loves Jamar Chase and wants all the success in the world for him, which is obviously very narrative. But, you know, I love it. You so, guys are you guys are whatever. focusing too much on the good, though. And I still want to remind you that Ben Roethlisberger is bad. And the last thing I wanted to say, I mean, the Steelers are one and two right now. And I said it in the preseason and I still mean it. I think Dwayne Haskins is going to get on the field at some point this year when the Steelers are out, and I think they're going to kick the tires on him if Ben keeps playing like shit. All right, we'll see. All right, next game we're moving on to Mitch's Titans. Took care of the Colts at home, <laughs> beating them 25-16. to 16. Trey, what is your key insight from this game? Yeah, so the big news from this game is uh, A.J. Brown, who we all agree is a top-five dynasty receiver. Some of us have him in our top three. Uh, he hurt his hamstring in the first half and he came out of the locker room in the second half in shorts and a t-shirt. So, uh, I mean, clearly that's throwing up alarms across the, the dynasty community right now, but you know, I just want to tell all of our listeners not to panic on this situation because right now his, uh, value in keep trade cut has dropped all the way down to wide receiver nine. Uh, 
And I know I was concerned after, uh, you know, that first week when the play action rates were a lot lower than last year, but I mean, come on, wide receiver nine is ridiculous. Like that's insane. So, um, I mean, look, you can throw out last week and he still had a 24, 25% target share of those first two games. I think rest of the season, he's looking like a low end wide receiver, one high end wide receiver, two candidate for me. Uh, and if you can go out and trade Cooper Cup for him or somebody like that, who's all the way up in wide receiver 10 on keep trade cut rankings for AJ Brown straight up, then obviously you should do that. And uh, if you have to throw in a piece or two to you know buy the dip on AJ Brown, then by all means, go for it. I, I, I have him more as like my wide receiver five in Dynasty, but wide receiver nine almost out of the top 10 is ridiculous. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Trey. He's still a tier one guy for me. Uh, look, I said it right right before the season. I said the things that I'm watching for, and A.J. Brown is a guy who I mentioned. He's coming off of double knee surgery. Uh, he might come back with a slow start, and I think that's exactly what's happened. And Maybe he tried to come back a little too fast. He caught a little injury here, but he's gonna. we fully expect him to make a full recovery here, and he's going to be back to his old ways. Uh, I'm totally with you here, Trey. If there's any sort of dip, if there's any sort of buying window here, I'm jumping all over it. Yeah. Yeah, if we believe that keep trade cut is gospel and Cooper Cup is all the way up to wide receiver 10, trade Cooper Cup in a second round pick for AJ Brown. I, Do it. I yeah. could totally see that trade popping off in a league though because yeah. somebody's going for that win now and Cup has been absolutely dominating and AJ Brown's hurt, you know? I could totally yeah. totally see it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and you know, if he does miss next week, this hamstring lingers an extra mm -hmm. week, then uh, you know, that trade will just be even more possible. Exactly. Now, Maybe so. you don't even need to throw anything into the pot. Maybe you just get that straight up. You heard it here, guys. Go dangle that offer out there. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on. So the Ravens beat the Lions 19 to 17 in Detroit on a record-breaking Justin Tucker 66-yard field goal. That was nice. Hook them. Yeah, it was super dope. Uh, Should have been 71 yards uh, because uh, they definitely missed that delay of game. But, you know, whatever. We're not here to talk about that. What I want to talk about is the fact that our priors have been confirmed on DeAndre Swift through three weeks. He is the PPR running back three and the amount of bulking at his ability to have top end RB one numbers in 2021 and the off season was just kind of nauseating to me. Like because of his pass catching prowess, that upside was clear and it's manifesting. He's averaging seven to eight targets per game on a 19.2% target share. And we should expect that moving forward. He is elite and he backs that eliteness up on film. So, you know, he has like about a 60% snap share over the first three weeks, which makes him a little bit of a part-time player, but it doesn't matter because he's Alvin Kamara. High leverage touches and high value situations. DeAndre Swift, top four, top five dynasty running back moving forward. Lock it in. Stop thinking about it. Totally agree with you there. Right now, the Lions have two, count them, two running back ones, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, three and 10 uh, through three weeks. Uh, I don't expect that to continue. I think Jamal Williams is going to drop off at some point, but uh, DeAndre Swift to the moon for me. We've got him. Jamal Williams isn't good. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's not good. Well, let me, let me just go ahead and say how happy I am for my reputation player right here. And, uh, you know, there were shots in my other reputation player, Rashad Bateman, coming out of uh, practice this week. So he's looking like he's coming back healthy. So maybe that Ravens passing attack can score more than 19 points in the Lions the next time they play. Were you on that episode? I don't remember you. 
in there. <laughs> I, I was I was his mouthpiece. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll go ahead and eat that that big old slice of humble pie right now. Uh, I have been notoriously low on Swift and uh, am reeling on this one. Um, he's he's looked great. He's looked like Tarek said, Alvin Kamara. Uh, my concerns are definitely going far out the window and. You know, sometimes you got to admit that you're wrong on a player and uh, you just got to move forward with that. And that's what I'm doing with Swift. So I got him up in my top 10 now. Um, I'm not sure where he's going to continue to go, but up is the direction that uh, that he's headed, in my opinion. So, yeah, Mitch, and I'll say this just to um, in your defense here. I mean, the the Lions as a whole on both sides of the ball have looked a lot more competent than I think any of us really kind of were giving them credit going into the year. So. You know, I know we all kind of laughed at Dan Campbell when he was hired as the head coach, but, you know, I think he's done a pretty good job of at least making that team a little bit more competent than uh, than we all expected. They've hung in there. Yeah, they, they sure did. They almost beat the Ravens. Yeah. And, you know, just really quickly, don't panic on TJ Hawkinson. He's going to be just fine. For sure. All right, let's move on to the next game, and that is the Bears getting shellacked in Justin Fields' starting debut by the Browns, 26 to six john what'd you take away from this game uh just really quickly uh not worried about justin fields he's a rookie he needs some time but that's not what i want to read about matt Nagy. uh yeah <laughs> he'll be working at mcdonald's soon yeah <laughs> well it's gonna be somewhere else that's probably true no i want to talk about a browns player specifically he's back guys are you excited obj is back he landed at and for week three wide receiver 30 that's very exciting I think he had 13 PPR points. Uh, my advice to you right now is to get him off your roster as quickly as possible. He missed the first two weeks. He played. He put up wide receiver three uh, numbers. Uh, now is the time to move him. I, I've been off of OBJ all summer. I advised you to get him off your roster. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say you have a nice little window here to do that. So here's just a little data. Uh, he's According to DLF, his ADP is lower now than it was. It's the lowest it's been since September of 2014 which is to say in his entire career. Uh, and it's only it's only going down. So uh, he's on a run-first offense. Uh, he's, not, he's, not, he doesn't, he's not that great. He had five catches for 77 yards, which is good. But remember, Jarvis Landry is on IR right now. So basically, if he's on my roster, and he's not because I take my own advice, but if he was, I would use this opportunity to say, see, look, solid flex play, and get him off my roster for anything that I could get, essentially, because I doubt that he's going to be a solid flex play for the rest of the year. Um, just looking at the history there, he's going to miss more time. It's inevitable. So if I can get anything from him for him right now, I'm going to take it. So, so John, let me throw this out there because I, I did see that there are some trades floating around, keep trade cut, DLF, uh, where it looks like you might be able to get him for Terrace Marshall Jr. straight up right now. Oh, I love if, that. <laughs> if you can do that, yeah, by all means, go, go do that right now. But, uh, alternatively, you also don't have to sell him this week. I think he's going to be the number one option in this passing offense. And Mayfield is playing really well. I mean, granted, they're not throwing the ball a lot, but his efficiency is like top 10 right now in EPA. And his accuracy is great. He's really getting the ball downfield. And uh, I mean, with Landry Hurt, we might see a few more weeks where OBJ pops, maybe finds the end zone a couple times. So if you can get Terrace Marshall for him straight up, sure, yeah, great. But you might be able to wait a couple weeks, too, because it looks like OBJ is going to ball out at least uh, a little bit in this offense. Balling out at wide receiver three. No, Trey's <laughs> got that inside info. He switched to a tight end, right? That's why he's going to get all those looks. 
because Baker loves those tight ends, right? Oh. No, I, I, <laughs> I think, uh, I, I think you're right, Trey. I agree completely, man. I, I want to hang on to OBJ of the shares that I have of him. This is what I bought him for. This is what I wanted was a, a good flex play. Uh, at some point in the season. I don't expect him to win me a championship. That was never the expectation. I just want to plug him into my roster a few times, and this looks like a golden opportunity. So I'm with you, Trey. I'm not selling him now. Uh, John, I know you hate him. <laughs> your advice has always been get rid of him, but you know, <laughs> I, I see where time, you're yeah. coming from, man. But no, I, I'm going to hang on to him a couple weeks. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't hate any perspective there. All right, let's move on to the next game. Chargers really impressive win at Kansas City beat them 30 to 24 behind just the incredible arm of Justin Herbert doing his best Patrick Mahomes impression in his own stadium it was beautiful Mitch what you got on this game man it was a good game it was a it was a game where you really thought classic Chiefs right down they're gonna come back and they start marching back and you're like yep here it goes and no dice uh Chargers win the game and uh they deserve to win it though uh, I really think it's a tale of two wide receivers, though. Tyreek the Freak and Mike Will made it again, episode two here. But let's start with Tyreek. Let's not panic. Um, if anything, start knocking on the door if you don't have Tyreek. Uh, he's, he hasn't strung together three games under double-digit fantasy points since the end of 2019. So this rut, uh, it's, a weird, it's a weird little funk. The Chiefs are in a, in a funk, and I think he's going to be fine. He's still my wide receiver one. He'll be fine. The Chiefs will be fine. But Mike Will, Mike Williams, episode two, he sits at wide receiver two. He's got 31 targets, four tubs, 22 catches. Man, this three-week arrival party for Mike Williams, I, I don't know. Is it enough to trade him plus an asset to land a big fish like Tyreek for you guys? Because if it's not enough, when is it going to be enough? I, I think I've seen enough. Well, wow, that's interesting. So let me kind of rephrase that toward John and Trey. Would you trade Mike Williams and a first round pick for Tyreek Hill? Uh, that's that's probably a no for me because I don't think they're different enough in age to justify that. And I wow. I, I kind of want to I want to ride this out. Like I want to see. Yeah. I, I'm I'm digging the Mike Williams uh ascendancy here, and I I like I want to ride that wave. I want to see where it goes. Um. I think he's going to get extended for the Chargers. They, uh, they, he's due for a contract, and I, I love that he's connected to Justin Herbert. And if he's connected to Justin Herbert for another three years, I, I don't think I would move him. Wow, really, Trey? Mike Williams in a first for Tyreek Hill? Are you pulling that trigger? I think I would, uh, which is just because I think I'm, I'm locked in on Tyreek Hill as a top five option, and I'm, I'm just maybe Mike Williams is just uh, benefiting a little bit too much from. Uh, an unsustainable touchdown rate right now. So maybe there's a little bit of touchdown regression coming for him. Uh, but it is crazy that we're even considering this right now because, uh, but I mean, if John's right and he has kind of taken this Mike Thomas role in this offense, then, uh, then yeah, I mean, why give up the first, why not just ride it out? So yeah, I think it's close, but I'm leaning the Tyreek side. No, I, I love that because the flip side is like, do you even start, if you have Tyreek, even considering Mike Williams as somebody that you're going to, that is good enough to trade Tyreek Hill for. Like that, that's what kind of blows my mind at this point. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? I, I, like I said, um, some of us, some of us have these instincts like, uh, I don't know. I need to see a little bit more. I just, I don't know. Like, I, I think once you have seen enough for yourself, you're probably going to be too late to that party. So I, I think this is yeah. that time, right? 
this is the time. If you yeah. think you've seen enough, and th- he's had a lot of involvement, there's a lot to see. So if you think it's time, man, maybe maybe it's time to deal one of your top tier guys if you think that he's ascending to that top tier. Wow, the real big Mike. All right, let's move on to this next game. Falcons at the New York Giants. The Falcons won 17 to 14 here. Trey, what do you got? This was a gross game, man. I think both these teams probably should have lost, but uh, <laughs> they lost in our hearts. Yeah, the Atlanta offense, the Atlanta offense is not looking good right now, but I do want to shout out Kyle Pitts, this uh, rookie god tight end who uh, he didn't really have a great day on Sunday. He had uh, two catches for 35 yards, no touchdowns, and less than 10% target share on the day. So I just want to tell our listeners not to panic on Kyle Pitts. I'm still projecting him to go for 840 yards, seven touchdowns for the rest of the year. Uh, That puts him in about the tight end seven in PPR for me, which is around the Mark Andrews range. He's getting usage right now at the wide receiver like we were all promised. And uh, the issue with him is really just the offense around him. I think Matt Ryan just looks absolutely toast. I'm not really sure uh, Arthur Smith has all the pieces he needs to really run the system that he wants to run. So you know, Pitts is playing really well for a rookie. I think it's a sneaky buy low opportunity right now. And uh, I mean, another opportunity, if you've got a guy like Cooper Cup, who's just getting like a ton of touchdowns, you might be able to trade for Kyle Pitts straight up. And uh, I think it's worth uh, feeling that out. I like that. I love that. Yeah. As a, as a Pitts manager in a couple of leagues, man, I've been getting some offers, some of these like buy low offers. And the, the only thing that I can do and the only thing that I have been doing is just hitting the reject button. Like I'm not even like yeah. letting these thoughts creep into my head because like like we've said before, he's a tight end. And even if he's supposed to be the the transcendent new tight end one, like you gotta be a little bit more patient than three games. And as tempting as a Cooper Cup sounds like no. <laughs> Hard no. We, and we we never should have expected thirteen hundred yards double digit touchdowns exactly. for him because that's just not what rookie tight ends do. Right. And so yeah. for him to end this year in the eight fifty, nine hundred range with seven or eight touchdowns, I think was totally realistic going into the season. It's still what I'm expecting now. The all the usage I've seen is really positive. And because this offense is so bad, there might be a window opening up here. So go and feel it out if you can. I love it. Yeah, he is still my tight end one in Dynasty. Um, So I completely agree there. Hold and send out offers. All right, let's move on to this final game before halftime. Uh, The Bills beat the Washington football team at home 43-21, to and it certainly wasn't all that close. Um, My insight for this game is that it's time to send offers out for Stephon Diggs because a blow-up is on the horizon And I don't want to be overly optimistic here that you can get a deal done like he's this super sneaky buy low right now. But the point is what you were willing to offer in the offseason like a month ago that maybe wasn't getting it done. Well, it might get it done now. So think about like Rondale Moore in a first like for a contender. Give me Stefan Diggs. Absolutely. The target share from last year is still there. The deep targets are still there. He has the second most deep targets in the league. It just hasn't hit yet. So go get him. Uh, I think you may be able to get him for those elite prices that you weren't able to get him in the offseason. So poke the bear a little bit. What do y'all think? Hey, I agree. Nothing else to say. That's yeah. If you can get him for Rondale on a first, go for it. Yeah, strongly into that. Do you think that applies to like all those like 
high-priced rookies, those Elijah Moores, the Rashad Batemans, the Terrace Marshall, Marshalls, all, all that. You still making the trade for that? Me, personally, I am making it for Rondale Moore in a first, uh, Terrace Marshall in a first, Elijah Moore in a first, for sure. For sure. Um, because he's, he's fallen a little bit for me, even though I still love Elijah Hold if you have him. Uh, unless you can go get digs. Um, but uh, Rashad Bateman in a first, that's a, that's a little pricey for me. I'm still extremely high on Rashad Bateman. I think he's going to come in and dominate that Baltimore passing game. Works for me. All right. Mike, check four. Thusly. Hitherto, it is halftime. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. Okay, just as a reminder, uh, our halftime segment during the season is each of us picking a game against the spread. And I, in Illinois, place a $20 parlay on those picks. So we're putting our money where our mouth is or my money where my mouth is uh, or our mouths. I don't know. Whatever. All right, we're going to... this This week... We're going to start with me, and I am taking the Packers minus six and a half at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Look, Mitch talked about it thoroughly earlier in the episode. Ben Roethlisberger is in a bad way. He's pretty much toast. Mitch said he retired last year. He just hasn't figured it out yet. Trey said the receiver core is banged up. The Pittsburgh defense, what we haven't talked about yet, is they've looked less than elite. I still think they're a great unit, but they're not just like the world beaters that they have. Been. They were missing TJ Watt last week. Yeah, true. And and their their week 1 shocker against the Bills seems like it was years ago. So this week we're in Lambo. Rodgers is forever pissed. They're going to kill him this week. They're going to win by more than a touchdown. I I like this bet a lot. We'll see. Love it. All right. Next on the docket, John, what's your pick against the spread? Well, let me tell you where I'm putting my mouth. And that's... Uh, <laughs> Justin <laughs> Herbert. The, <laughs> all over. Hey, I watched the same game y'all watched, and I might pick the Chargers for the rest of the season because that team looks fantastic. Yeah, I'm taking the Chargers at negative uh, 3.5 over the Raiders at home on Monday night, so we're going to have to sweat this one out. Uh, the Raiders are due... No, we'll The, the Raiders... You know, well, hey... Pessimism is not going to help here. Happy, happy thoughts. No, look, uh, the Raiders are due, right? They've looked really good this season. They're due for a blow-up game, and this is going to be it. They're going to like lose to lose to the Chargers by forty here. So, uh, yeah, go Justin Herbert, uh, go Mike Williams, go Keenan Allen, and go to hell, Raiders. <laughs> oh man, the Raiders did try to lose to the Dolphins. So yeah, I like it, John. I like it too. I like it. Uh, especially in LA, although those those Chargers games aren't always home games, but we'll see. All right, Trey, you're next. What's your pick against the spread? All right, I'm gonna go for another uh, late game slot here for Sunday. I want Seattle on the road in San Francisco as a three point underdog. Right now, Seattle has lost two games in a row. They lost that overtime game against the Titans in Week Two, where that defense of theirs fell apart in the second half, and Derrick Henry ran all over them. And then uh, last week, the uh, offense really slowed down in the second half against Minneapolis. So I think <laughs> Minneapolis <laughs> last week, Close that enough. offense really slowed down in the second half against Minnesota. So uh, I think this is the week where they put it all together. They put a, a complete game uh, against a division rival out there. So this Seattle team is just too talented to lose three games in a row. I think Jimmy G and his checkdowns and all those injured running backs are going to equal an ineffective offense for the home team. And uh, 
yeah, I like Seattle as uh, winning on the road and getting it done against a division rival. All right, Mitch, close us out. Well, sure will. Tampa Bay away against the Patriots, minus seven. But you know they're not away. You know Tom Brady is on his way home to destroy the Patriots, and I don't see this happening any other way. This narrative is Tom Brady's shit. This is what he lives for. It's too for. good. Uh, he's going to, if if the spread was minus 13, I still would have taken Tampa Bay. Like, they're going to win by two touchdowns, maybe even I love it. five, dude. Like, he's going he's going to destroy them. Like, there's no other way. It is it is possible they win by five touchdowns. It's technically possible. <laughs> let, let me slurp up all that narrative. That is Tom Brady's house. I love it. All right. So we got Packers minus six and a half. Chargers minus three and a half. Trey's got the lone dog at Seattle plus three. And Tampa Bay, quote unquote, away against the Patriots minus seven is Mitch's pick. The bet is placed. All right, let's kick off this second half. The first game we're going to talk about here is the Saints going into New England uh, and beating those Patriots 28 to 13. John, this is your game. What you got? Uh, so I guess the big news out of this game is uh, James White came out today that uh, he's done for the season, it looks like, with the hip injury. Uh, and I think it was last week, Trey was saying James White is a wide receiver playing running back. And now that he's gone, I'm fading all of the receiving options for the Patriots. Um, I don't think there's a reliable starting receiving option for the Patriots at this point. Mac Jones looks like a Roethlisberger clone. I mean, he's good enough, I guess, but he's, uh, I think he's wide receiver 29 on the year right now. Still a rookie developing, but let's talk about the receiver. Quarter, quarterback 29. Oh, sorry. What did I say? Wide receiver. It's all good. Okay. Yeah. Quarterback 29. Uh, he probably wouldn't be very good as wide receiver. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. But let me just, let me just throw this at you here. Uh, Hunter Henry, tight end 22 right now. Johnu, uh, tight end 26 and Oof. had those nasty, nasty, nasty drops. Uh, Jacoby Myers, wide receiver 38, uh, Kendrick Bourne, wide receiver 54, and Nelson Aguilar at wide receiver 58. These are not screaming options that I want to start in my lineup. So I'm basically fading them all right now. I have a lot of faith that Mac Jones is going to, going to develop into a serviceable quarterback. Not sure that's going to happen this season. So right now, I'm not targeting any of these guys. Um, I'm going to wait for the guy to emerge because I have faith that one of these guys is going to emerge as the re the main receiving option. I just don't know who it is. And so I don't want to spend any, I don't want to invest anything to try and get any of these guys. Trey, you know who it is? I'll tell you who it is, John. I'll tell you who it is, man. Uh, <laughs> who I mean, look, is this, it, Trey? this offense definitely is struggling right now. So Mac Jones is definitely, you know, showing, you know, he's a rookie and there's going to be an adjustment period. But right now, Jacoby Myers has 29 targets and 19 catches and zero touchdowns to show for it, which is a little bit of the same thing that happened last year. But uh, I, I mean, those touchdowns are really what's dragging down his uh, his fantasy scoring right now. So honestly, I think the James White injury is going to help out Jacoby a little bit because he's the main slot option for this team. He's going to be the main underneath passing option now. And I think the touchdowns are going to come. I mean, he's getting a 24.8% target share. So he is the number one option on this offense, even if he doesn't have the touchdowns yet to show for it, uh, but agreed. The upside is is a little bit limited right now just because this offense is uh, not looking great. So uh, Jacoby probably stays on the bench for most of the year, but I do think he's the number one option on this team. Yeah, this hurts as somebody that was uh, talking up Janu all off season, and uh, those drops were awful, awful. Yeah. He had an awful game. I know he came out 
saying this one's on me and it's like well yeah dude but uh <laughs> obviously <laughs> hope, hope to see uh hope to see some improvement there definitely hope to see some improvement personally yeah i'm not out on johnny smith yet i i, I still believe i mean it's not gonna happen guys it- he's never had he's never had 500 yards receiving he's never had more than 45 catches all right we'll we'll see i i still like john smith i'm 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 staying on i'm holding i'm sunk cost fallacy hold on hold on i love that don't don't hold on (laughs) to all right mitch we're going to you next the uh dolphins came into las vegas and lost in overtime to the raiders 31 to 28. Mitch Yates, what are you extracting from this game? Well, as I just mentioned, they, the Raiders, really, really did everything they could to lose this game, but uh, still conquered victory from the jaws of defeat, as they say. So uh, it, the Raiders' offense looked good. They were just making a ton of mistakes. So what I'm taking away from this is I'm, I want to buy two things here. I want to buy Josh Jacobs. And then I'm either looking into Hunter Renfro or uh, Henry Ruggs. Uh, currently, Renfro is at wide receiver 26, and Ruggs is at wide receiver 29, and that's in uh, PPR scoring. Um, but I'm fading Brian Edwards right now. Uh, he looks to be the least involved guy in that offense. Definitely has that big play potential, but um, surprise on me for the for the Renfro. It looks like uh, David Carr loves him. So Josh Jacobs, though, Josh Jacobs for me here. Uh, I believe it is an illusion what happened last game. Um, oh, God, what's his name? I always forget this guy's name. Peyton, Peyton Barber. Barber. That's why I forget his name. Peyton Barber, yeah. Uh, that, Very forgettable. Well, you know what? He did what Josh Jacobs would have done if Josh Jacobs was healthy. And I yeah. say this with full confidence because Kenyon Drake got as exactly as many carries and targets as Kenyon Drake did when Josh Jacobs was healthy. So Drake is not at all involved in this uh rotation as far as like the lead back goes so it's either jacobs or old what's his name there so i'm saying by now people have got to be uh shaking in their boots with jacobs and has hurt everything as they say so definitely looking out for him yeah Kenyon drake is also dust but uh trey i gotta ask you man help me from not being tempted by the siren that is henry ruggs because i was watching this game And that was the best game of Henry Ruggs' career. Like, he had some real impact catches that weren't just, like, broken coverage bombs. He was showing off that leaping ability. He looked really good. But, I don't know. I I feel like he's a siren right now that I I need some reason from Trey Cryan. Yeah, I mean, we saw what happened last year. He came in as a uh, highly drafted rookie. I think he was the first receiver drafted uh, yep. in last year's NFL draft. And so a lot of people were, were taking him first off the board ahead of guys like Jerry Judy and Justin Jefferson. And we saw last year that that was obviously a huge mistake. Uh, his value plummeted accordingly. And we know from a lot of years of research that these kind of face planners who don't prove that they belong in year one uh, don't really ever bounce back from that. And the hit rate on those guys is like 10% or less. So honestly, the, the odds that him, you know, hitting at this point is probably about as good as Brian Edwards. Uh, so um, I'm, I honestly, I think this opens up a sell window rather than a buying opportunity on rugs. I'm kind of wait and see mo- mode. Um, I don't have 
real hard data to back this up, but it looks to me like in the fourth quarter when it matters the most, Derek Carr is targeting Brian Edwards. Like that's the guy he's trusting in in crunch time. So I don't know. That's kind of anecdotal, but... Uh, yeah. I think I think one of the guys does emerge as the top option, and we should just wait to see what happens. That's yeah, where I'm that at right now. Yeah, that guy's going to be Darren Waller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> always. All right, moving on to the next game. Uh, the Broncos pitched a shutout at home against the Jets, 26-0. to zero. Trey, what's your insight here? So the Denver offense right now looks like it's rolling, and the Denver defense looks like it's rolling pretty good too. Now, uh, Denver really hasn't played uh, – you know, that good of a schedule so far. I think uh, there's a stat going around right now that the teams that Denver has played against are uh, cumulative zero and three or zero and nine on the year. (laughs) (laughs) So let's not read into it too much, but Teddy Bridgewater right now looks like a buy candidate candidate to me, especially in Superflex. Uh, Right now he's averaging 275 yards and, uh, a touchdown a game. Uh, he's got four touchdowns on the year uh, for 17.8 fantasy points per game. So that's quarterback 18. Uh, however, uh, keep trade cut. He's currently ranked QB 27. And that's probably because a lot of us think of him as a one-year rental right now, right? So I moved him up in my rankings over Jameis up to QB 25. So I'm not even that far ahead of the market here, but he's playing very efficiently and he's pushing the ball downfield in a way that he just did not do in Carolina last year. He's currently number four in air yards per attempt with nine and a half, and he's number five in adjusted yards per attempt with 8.9. Now, I do think his upside is going to be capped by how good this defense is and by this play calling. I think they're going to lean, run heavy, uh, and they're only running 32 pass plays per game, which is bottom half in the NFL. But I think the touchdowns are going to bounce up for Teddy, Judy's going to be back by week eight at the latest, and I would be comfortable starting him on a contending roster, especially if I've got Cortland Sutton as one of my starting wide receivers. Rest of the season, he looks like QB 14 for me. I like him over Goff and Winston in Dynasty, and I would take him for a guy like Tyler Boyd right now, straight up in a super flex league. Okay. Yeah, it's, he seems like a guy that can be a serviceable QB three for you in a super flex league, like if you're a contender, because I think you can get him for, you know, those QB 25 to 30 prices, right? And then according to kind of what Trey's projecting here, he should give you mid-range to even high-end QB2 numbers. So I don't hate it. I think that most people are just projecting him as a one-year rental, though. But does anybody Mm -hmm. seriously think that he's going to be the quarterback next year? And I think that really does affect his value because... I mean, it's not going to be Drew Locke, you know, so... Certainly not. Yeah, I mean, let's just leave the door open for the possibility that he is the starter next season. And then what does that do to his value, right? Because none of us really expected him to be the starter this year, but he won the job in training camp and they didn't draft anybody last year. So, um, and if they keep winning games, they might just decide we run it back next year with Teddy as our game manager. So I think he's always been a little bit more talented than his reputation. Uh, I mean, obviously he's bounced all over the league at this point, but um I'm not saying sell the farm for this guy, but at his cost, you know, it, that kind of upside doesn't hurt. All right. So the next game we're going to talk about is the Cardinals going into Jacksonville. Mitch hit on his uh, pick against the spread again, betting against Jacksonville. That is a smart man right there. Uh, what I want to talk about here uh, is LaVisca Chanel. All 
All right, I'm I'm fading on LaVisca a bit. I had him at wide receiver 36 coming into the season, and he's down to wide receiver 43. So not a huge fade, but it's downward trending, and I'm concerned. I like the talent. I like his ability, and I hope we see his role grow. But right now, he's a part-time player, about 70% of snaps, so not like super part-time, but he's not out there all the time. And when he's on the field, he's not getting a lot of targets. Uh, Per a tweet by Joe Dolan, he has the most routes run for a player with less than 100 receiving yards on the season. I mean, Marvin Jones is the receiver that you want at cost here, and he continues to be the usable flex. He's got a good target share on those valuable downfield routes. And LaVisca Chenault is a player that our consensus ranking varies very widely on. Me and Mitch have him right around market value in terms of DLF ADP as kind of a uh, a low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four. Trey's been pretty high on him, and John has been very low on him. So th- he's an interesting player to discuss. Yeah, and I'll just say as a guy who was really high on him going into the season that I have to adjust my uh, my ranking accordingly. So the usage is is definitely really troubling to start the year. It's the opposite of what I was hoping to see. Uh, they're continuing to use him in these really short, uh, you know, passing situations where, you know, I was really hoping that he would kind of evolve into a real downfield uh, receiver for this offense. And, uh, you know, this is kind of what I was worried about with Travis Etienne. I was kind of worried about Urban Meyer ruining him. And it looks like uh, he's about to ruin LaVisca Schnault, too. Urban Meyer looks like he wants to ruin everything that is in his sight. So perhaps he's not going to be there long. Maybe he takes the old uh, college out or something. But yeah, right there with you. Trey, man, like I was high on Chenault and I I feel like I might be doing the old uh, sunk cost fallacy with him on some of my teams. I don't want to get rid of him because of the price that I paid to get him. And I feel like I kind of want to just wait this one out. Yeah, I don't want to punt yet because his value is not very high right now. And it sucks because just got to sit on your hands and watch this one. Yeah, Mitch, I think wait is the right strategy here. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence has been bad, the worst right. I've ever seen him play. Uh, and I've been watching him for a long time. Uh, he's going to get better. We know that he's going to get better. And I don't think he's comfortable in this offense yet. And I don't think I think that goes to the utilization. I'm low on LaVisca, but I also don't think that these three games are what you should be basing that decision on. So I would wait at least this season. It might yeah. take Trevor that long to adjust to the NFL. Yeah. Now, on that note, you know, if you are high on LaVisca Chanel, I don't think my fade uh, is unique. I think it's happening uh, industry and and kind of like field wide. So if you're high on LaVisca Chenault, you could consider this a buying opportunity. Otherwise, if you have Visca on your roster, certainly uh, a wait and see. All right, John, throwing it right back to you. The Packers went in to San Francisco and beat the 49ers 30 to 28. Aaron Rodgers you don't need more than 37 seconds for that shit, John. <laughs> God, Rogers is so good. He, I, you know, he was hustling us in week one, right? He's like, you know what? I'm going to fool a bunch of people and he's back. But well, he's been a hustler since the entire offseason, bro. Look he's like, him. watch, watch me go down to Florida and blow this game against New Orleans. I'm going to get a good laugh out of this. Nah, he's, he's fine. <laughs> uh, but that's, I want to talk about the other team here. I actually want to talk about the 49ers specifically. I want to talk about. Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon, who currently only has 11, that's just over double digits, rushing attempts on the season. Preach. Uh, If you, uh, yeah, preaching the sermon. (laughs) If if you look at his ADP on DLF, uh, it's lower now than it's been since the NFL draft, essentially. It's it's a marginal change, 
It's yeah. like gone from uh, 53 to 60, but it is is trending downward. And I think that means for me that this is an opportunity to try and get him on his on my roster. Like, okay, so granted, aside from one 16-yard run this week, he looked pretty pedestrian. But he's still getting warmed up. We talked about this earlier, that rookie running backs, they take some time. And Sermon, he didn't even play the first couple of games. So, or he didn't play the first game, and he barely played in the second game. So the, the drop's marginal, but it's probably going to keep decreasing, is the point I'm trying to make here, until he has a big breakout game. Now, that could be this week. It could be later. But I expect that a big breakout game is coming. Uh, that's what we expect to see from all rookie running backs generally. So assuming that that happens this season, his ADP is never going to be lower than it is right now for the foreseeable future. So that begs the question, is now the time to get Sermon on your rosters? I think the answer is yes. So I have a lot of faith in this young running back in a Shanahan system that's going to be connected with Trey Lance, a quarterback that we're all pretty high on at some point in the future. So I'm willing to try and make a move to roster him today. I think now is the time to do that. Yeah, I I still have uh, Trey Sermon inside of my top 30 uh, for my dynasty running back rankings. I I will say that I'm worried about this still being Elijah Mitchell's backfield to lose when he comes back. And I want to shout out Mitch there because after week one, he was kind of quick on that train. But the reason I kind of bought into that narrative, at least for now, is that Kyle Juszczyk being essentially the starting running back in week three was worrying to me. But I will say overall, I agree with you, John, here, just based on my priors about Trey Sermon. Yeah, no, still out on this one, man. Can't do it. Um, I I agree with you, Tarek. I think Elijah Mitchell is the guy when he comes back. So I have walked out of the church. I am no longer here for the uh, for the sermon. I'm out. Dang. All right. Well, Mitch, throwing it right back to you because we're moving on to Eagles at Cowboys Cowboys won 41 to 21 at home. What are you extracting from this game for Dynasty? Well, I'm very concerned about Miles Sanders. That's that's what I'm extracting from that. Uh, what was it? Two carries that he had? Ugh, brutal. Yeah. Now look. Like six total opportunities. Pretty bad. It's pretty bad. And you hate to see it. And, you know, you hope that's the anomaly game script, like shitty play calling, whatever. But I think there's something to be said about Kenneth Gainwell. Again, he's getting, what, 30% snaps now, but he's performing very well with them. And he's been getting game planned in there. And I see that role growing a little bit. So, yeah, Sanders is putting up, I think, around 70% of the snaps. But, you know, I was expecting a little bit more from the guy. You know, uh, if we're expecting, like, a, a running back two, maybe we're expecting him to be at, like, running back number 15 not number 26 overall in uh, PPR he's just not getting he's just not getting the looks and I'm trying to jump ship if I can trade him I'm actively trying to do that yeah and I obviously in our main league I executed a trade with Mitch for Miles Sanders right before that disappointing performance at Dallas I guess you know I do think that this six total opportunity game against Dallas was an anomaly and kind of a a weird just game script, weird game for the Eagles. I guess for for Miles Sanders, I just think he is who we thought he was, right? He's an RB2. And if we understand Sanders as an RB2, right, he's RB26 right now, but I'd expect that to push up into mid-range RB2 territory by the end of the season. 
And if we kind of have those expectations, then it makes sense uh, in terms of what we were investing. Now, understanding him as RB1 potential going into the season, that may have been a little bit of a uh, bad process on, 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 on those who expected that. But I just think he is who we thought he is. And I guess I'm just wondering why you expect it to get better when Jalen Hurts is the one running like running back one on this team so far. Hertz is getting more attempts. He's got almost 10 a game, I think. I mean, I think I think you're you're overreacting and the numbers are overweighted to that RB3. All right, for that uh, excuse me, for that week 3 performance. Oh, I'm saying Hertz across the board is taking touches and Gainwell is taking touches and I don't know, man. It just seems to be yeah. more the style. And Miles Sanders is the lead back in a committee uh, for for uh, a, a team in the NFL in 2021. <laughs> you know, we don't have a lot of workhorse backs right now. So I think what I I don't I agree with you in the sense that our Miles Sanders may be trending down, but I think that he's an RB two, and we should view him as an RB two. Like, what are you what are you saying? Or should we view him as an RB four now? Like, what's the what's the I'm looking at him. Yeah, I, I'm thinking he's going to finish an RB three this year. I think, like I said, okay. that Gainwell is going to uh, get more touches, more looks. And I think he fits the uh, system a little bit better with Hertz okay. running around and passing more to the running backs because Gainwell looks like a wide receiver. I know Sanders has that pass catching ability, but I don't know. It just when you're watching these games, Miles Sanders does not look at all to be the guy that that offense is planning around. Yeah, I mean, Gainwell is getting a lot of snaps and touches. All right, moving on to the next game, Seahawks at Vikings. The Seahawks looked in control in the first half, but then the Vikings came storming in 130-17 to at home. Trey, what are you taking away from this game? So this game for me, this is all about my uh, the receivers on each side of the field here. So this is kind of my tale to uh, receivers to uh, follow up to Mitch's earlier. But uh we had Justin Jefferson on one side of the ball who got his touchdown. We had DK Metcalf on the other who got his. And uh, now DK Metcalf is probably disappointing some uh, fantasy managers right now, especially in redraft. He's currently wide receiver 18 in points per game, sitting at 16.7, which is actually right next to his average from last year, by the way. But listen, don't panic on DK Metcalf. Uh, the market hasn't really dropped on him like it has with AJ Brown. I mean, he's still sitting at wide receiver three, it looks like in DLF and, uh, and keep trade cut. And, uh, I mean, he's my wide receiver three on the rest of the season as well. Uh, he's got a 31% target share through the first three weeks and, uh, overhaul for dynasty. I mean, that kind of target share, that kind of usage that at his age, he he's up at wide receiver two uh, still for me in dynasty right after Justin Jefferson. And I would basically trade any wide receiver for him straight up except for J Jeff. So that includes guys like AJ Brown, who, you know, is obviously banged up a little bit right now. And uh, you know, Tyree kill who I know you guys are higher on. Yeah, dude, I love it. I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, DK Metcalf is incredible. And yeah, every time I see somebody that, is underperforming their their draft cap. I am definitely knocking on the door, just wondering, like, hey, so I noticed that decaf isn't performing, and I have this draft pick. I I think this is the time as well. I'm into it. So so you agree with me then? Uh, he should be ranked a high higher than Tyreek Hill and for your dynasty receiver ranks. No, I don't. I was just agreeing with you that he's uh, he's up there in that conversation. I still Tyreek <laughs> is still the number one in my book. Same tier, same tier. 31%, 31.3% target share is 
extremely impressive. Uh, connected to that quarterback, uh, I yeah, I would expect him uh, to go up on that current wide receiver 18 uh, through three weeks. I like that. All right, final game we're going to talk about. Bucks at the Rams. Rams won at home 34 to 24. Um, so despite Mitch's uh, <sighs> invocation to never bet against Tom Brady, both of my picks against the spread have been against Tom Brady this year. Uh, so I'm killing it, you know. Uh, <laughs> my insight from this game Matt Stafford is a QB one in dynasty. All right. I have him QB 13, but you know, QB one sounds better. So I'm saying Matt Stafford's a QB one for dynasty, despite not having the Konami code with the rushing. And there's a few factors here that contribute to that. His own talent has been obvious for a long time, and he has been showcasing it with McVay. The team has a long-term investment for him. So I think you're going to have a QB one, a top eight QB maybe for year to year for several years. In addition, the weapons with Cup and Woods and Higby and more importantly, the system around him will allow him to have consistently elite efficiency numbers. So while you give up some of the floor that you get with a guy like Jalen Hurts in the rushing, for instance, I think you make it up in stability with the still elite passing upside that will get you to the top eight top five production at the QB position kind of for the next for the foreseeable future for the next couple of years while he's attached to McVeigh in LA and I don't think that situation is going anywhere so yeah I'm valuing him as a QB one right now in dynasty yeah so let me just throw out a reason why he should be a little bit lower maybe why he should hedge that a little bit uh I mean right now he's got nine passing touchdowns on the year so that's number two in the league right behind Tom Brady who's got 10 and uh, so what that means is he's got a touchdown rate of 9.6% right now, which is, I'm telling you, unsustainable over a full season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Rodgers last year, uh, when MVP season had a 9.1% touchdown rate, so half a percent lower than that. Mahomes in 2018, his 50 touchdown season was 8.6%, a full percent lower. Matt Stafford over the last three years has never had higher than a 6.5% touchdown rate. So you have to expect that to go down a little bit. And yeah. because of that Konomni code aspect or the lack thereof, then yeah, I would have them kind of more in that QB 15, 16, 17 range rather than like knocking on uh, the top, you know, 12 or whatever. But if you're in a super flex league and you've got Robert Woods or Cooper Cup as one of your starting receivers, then yeah, by all means, go get Stafford and throw him in your super flex spot. Yeah, John, John and Mitch, I think y'all have Stafford ranked higher. Oh, than yeah, I dude. I got Stafford at, at what? Quarterback 10. Oh, yeah. you love those touchdowns, Mitch. Oh, I love them tutties. I love them. But, dude, if Jared Goff could be quarterback number six overall, Stafford is already showing us that he can be in this conversation. Dude, like Tarek said, hit the nail on the head here. The The Rams are always going to give him the weapons that he needs to succeed. They hate draft picks they hate them they're going to trade all the draft picks and everything that they need to make stafford happy as long as he's producing like this uh stafford to the moon i'm on board that spaceship yeah obviously i like stafford uh he's been pretty high in my rankings all summer uh just one thing that i want to point out here is that stafford is finding van jefferson more 
than uh, Jared Goff ever did last season, and I like that. Uh, he was one of my guys I was circling for 2022 breakout, so just keep your eye on that. It looks like Van Jefferson's kind of growing into the game a little bit here, and maybe that connection develops, and, uh, you know, goodbye, Robert Woods. Hello, Van Jefferson. <laughs> Look at me over here. I'm the only one caring about uh, touchdown regression. I actually, no, Trey, I completely agree with you. I think that that 9.6% touchdown rate is going to regress, but I, I'm, I just think he's going to have consistently elite efficiency in that system year over year. And I think that stability is worth investing in over a guy like Jalen Hurts, who has the floor with the rushing, but the floor could fall out because he's going to lose his job <laughs> if he keeps playing like he did against Dallas. So that's that's just kind of where where I shake out. But I completely agree about, you know, the regression point and you know leave it to john close out the show with a van jefferson shout out gotta do it love it gotta do it love his loves his face planners (laughs) (laughs) all right guys that is gonna do it for episode 25 of the long game dynasty podcast we will see you next week talk about some week four after we win this parlay let's go goodbye adios